Hello. Hello, Bartleby. And welcome. I'm here with my brother Artemis. And I suppose it's time for your show again. Our show, Artemis? It's our show. If you insist. Oh, I insist. I don't remember ever agreeing to this. And we're the Kinetic Paranormal Society, a pair of socks and a magic wardrobe traveling through time and space investigating the supernatural. How about I just sneak out before we start? Whoa, hold on there, buddy. It's too late for that. You're listening to Metacosmos. Alright, here we go. Another fantastic episode. Why do you keep doing this to me? Think of it this way, Artemis. I'm trying to do this for you because you're super introverted. Did you know that everyone needs to be part of a community? And I don't think you put up enough effort. You don't think I put up enough effort? I'm... I'm here right now. Exactly. This is as good as it gets from you. Let's be honest. I don't think it's fair of you to put it that way. Look, we have a show to do and it's going to be awesome. And I have a surprise for you. What? A surprise? Yeah. So, like, last time we had a guest on our show, you ran off on me. But today, we have a guest in the studio, right now. I don't see a guest in the studio. Let's give a big welcome for kinetic sculpture racer and cryptozoologist, co-captain of Team Pineapple, Bob Vandewally! Hi, Artemis. Hi, Bartley. Oh, on the phone. Yeah, he's calling in. Hey there, Bob. How you doing? I'm very excited to be here. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for coming to Metacosmos. This is a special occasion. It is for me. Before we go on, maybe we should tell everyone out there how special this occasion is. Right now, we're talking to not just team captain of Team Pineapple from the Kinetic Grand Championship. Like, how many times have you guys, like, won the race? Uh, we've won the race once. We won the That's a big number. place event once. That's a big uh, number. And we ace almost every time we race. Oh, whoa, that's a huge number. Wow. Wow, that's a huge number. Wow, Bob. Okay, so, um, yeah, that's a lot. So, um, Bob, can you kind of, like, just tell us an idea and describe to us, like, what a team captain for a kinetic race does, just for a second? I'm sure every team runs it, uh, you know, according to their, what their own needs, uh, and... I'm actually a co-captain. Uh, Don Thomas is the other captain. Uh, and what it's mostly about is herding cats. Uh, our team is uh, geographically and uh, geographically diverse as well as neurologically diverse. Oh, so wow. That's paranormal. All over Northern California. Uh, and with all manners of uh, capabilities, and we welcome them all, and we try to figure out how how to have them have a good time as they as they join in with us. That's fantastic, Bob. You're not just doing a team captain though, because you're kind of a paranormal team, if I'm not mistaken. Is that is that like a correct assessment? We do uh, cross over into alternate realms with uh, great regularity. I think that's what happens when you get a bunch of creative minds together and you, and like your brain is quantum. And when you get multiple brains together, the quantum waves start influencing the other brains and it turns into a macro organism. And once you get to that state, you access all kinds of new information and new possibilities. And uh, that's the juicy part for me. 
I think that's one reason why I welcome people who are neurodivergent on our team is because it introduces new avenues of exploration. Um, Bob, did I hear that right? That you 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 believe your team is a unimind? <laughs> when we're in the same volume of space, yes. Wow, that is a really awesome thing for every team to strive for is to to hit the unimind state. Is it Borg like? Do you think? Is it what? Borg-like? No, no, I don't think it, it doesn't feel Borg-like. More like being, just being smarter and more compassionate at the same time, like access to greater, greater human potential. Yeah, yeah, because sometimes, like, if you get more brains together in a room, it, like, makes an electrical storm, and you brainstorm. It's a brainstorm, yes. Yeah, that's fantastic. So that's kind of like the electrical power source of a kinetic team. Yes, it's, it's almost like a kind of friction, but it's like a, the good kind. Oh, there's friction. That's why I've got a couple of team members who talk me down off the ledge frequently. No, no, you Bob, need that. It's a balance. You need to settle down right now and stop picking on or stop saying or reframe your mind or go take a break. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I don't know if you ever checked out one of our paranormal guides, but there was a year I, we did a uh, Grinch Hunters and we put out a pamphlet and there was a whole entire part explaining the teams what they needed to do to keep their, their team captain from like going a little over the edge. <laughs> That's what a great thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like necessary. That. They take themselves too seriously, team captains. They're like, guys, this is a race. We got we to gotta do this. And yeah. and everyone's like, okay, dude, chill out. So, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's the function of a team to like, you know, uh, I, that's a necessary friction. A few sparks and a little lightning gets released. And hopefully the team becomes stronger and wholer as a process. I think the team captains need to be able to step back and and allow folks to you know take things on and uh, and then the hard thing frequently when you talk with somebody who is highly skilled uh, and has a lot of capability and capacity, uh, the words they say are things like, "I would like someone else to do this job." But no one else can do it the way I do it. Or they, I can't, it takes too much time to teach them. And so I'm just going to get it done myself. Get out of the way. I can do this faster than you. And that's when you start hearing yourself say those words, that's when you, you really need to shut up, move over, move aside, and let somebody else do the job. And however they do it is the way it gets done. And you just don't worry about it. It's like, it, okay, that's how it got done this time. And sometimes that means you're eating Thai food, you know, two hours after you arrived at Crab Park and everybody's losing their mind and only six dinners for 12 people. You oh, know, because man. the person who brought the food didn't understand the, the situation and you trusted them and they, they did the job. They didn't do it the way I would have done it. But they did the job. That's a very specific example, Bob. <laughs> it is. So, and James, if you're listening, <laughs> I love you, man. I'm glad you're still on our team. Oh, I was hoping you'd say that because I was really pretty sure someone would hear this and be like, oh, <laughs> is is he still upset about that? Um, yeah, it's really amazing that the things we get like 
upset about and then find out that later we were silly for being upset about too. Like there's a whole world of like um, self-defacing moments as a kinetic racer where it's really about disassembling your own ego so that you can get to the finish line before your vehicle disassembles itself. Well, there's things to, to be like truly upset about. Like oh, there's, man. there's stuff in the world that we need to solve and, and understand. And, oh, uh, and that's why I'm calling today. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that because, like I said, you're paranormal investigating something very specific this year as a team, aren't you? We are. We are. It's probably a manifestation of a global problem. So last year, you'll recall, we flipped over in the Eel River uh, and there's a, a great write-up about the entire race from last year on SF8. Oh, I remember that. Uh, that was yeah. that was crazy. You guys and Dawn, like she was yeah. really struggling in there, like pushing that thing. Like it was like she was like the whole lifting the whole sculpture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were all yeah. It was an epic effort. When we flipped over in the Eel River, hypothermia is a thing. I know, but when we flipped over in the river, I thought I saw something under there. Uh, and we were in the middle of the race, and so I didn't, like, put a whole lot of attention on it. But I later, you know, going back through my memory of the event, I think I saw a creature in the river. Which, can, you, can you describe so the creature? To, I started to, like, look around and research and try to understand what I might have seen. Um, okay, okay, quick, uh, quick question here. I, I, I got yeah. some questions asked. Yeah. Was the creature, was it a humanoid uh, in form of, not, I'm assuming this was like a paranormal kind of cryptid, um, but was it in the humanoid I, category or was it the yeah, animalia category I, or a mixture of the two? I didn't see mammalian characteristics, but I, it definitely had two eyes and a face and I saw an upper body and webbed arms. Oh, webbed arms. Um, Okay, that's yeah. that's that's a, most most creatures have all those previous ter- traits, but webbed arms is unique. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Webbed arms. Ooh. Yeah. So, um, did yeah. it have hands or paws or fins? Well, you know, I was in the middle of flying through the air as the vehicle oh, uh, okay. descended Sorry. on top of. Okay, me, I so get. I, yeah, that's really, a good point. It was it was an impression. Yeah, you can't quite uh, take notes. There's no taking notes in that moment, right? You can't be like, oh. <laughs> right? Yeah, but I, but like, it startled me, and it it startled me so hard that it, I had to do some uh, deep meditation to like recapture the 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 uh, the event. Oh. Um, it was like memories floating up, yeah, uh, from something that you block because it's just it's like horrifying and scary. That is scary, yeah. Um cuz you're 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 digging dumped in the water and then visited upon by cryptids. Yes. And Well, I only saw one then. I only saw one then. Oh, crypt- cryptid. A cryptid. Okay, yeah. So, I realized that this is kind of a jump here. I realized that recycling is a lie. So the problem is that we're generating you know, like 400 million tons of plastic every year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's and about really 90% of it actually gets recycled. So that means there's 90% of the plastic is going somewhere. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, the it's the thing scary. is that I took the numbers and I added them up about all of the places that you can find plastic. About 8 million tons is missing. It's not getting burned. It's not going in landfill. It's going somewhere. Wow. And my theory, my theory is that it's going to these creatures that I saw, that they are somehow absorbing or maybe even eating the plastic that we've been making. Yeah. And, and I think they live underneath the Great Pacific Patch, the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. So, so I'm calling them trash lanterns because they live in the water. Okay. Yeah. And they live under the trash gyre. So I'm calling them trash lanterns. It sounds like George Carlin's prophecies have come true. Which prophecy is that? George Carlin said that all the styrofoam and plastic, one day the microbial life forms that eat styrofoam and plastic will inherit the earth. Yeah. I, I wonder how big happened. that I think we, I think that the, it's a food chain. I wonder how big the trash lantern you saw was. It could have been really close to your eyeball. And you might have, like, just seen a tiny eyeball. <laughs> wow, you're right. And, and that's, well, how, that, that's at least one of my theories currently going for a trash lantern there. They're very, very, very tiny. They're very wee. They're very wee. I've, I've heard that's the, that's the true story about um, unicorns. Um, uh, uh, there's a, there's a local artist who is a, uh, Violet Crabtree and she's, she convinces people that unicorns are actually very real and very tiny. And so I think trash lanterns might be the same. Yes. So, they um, might be. yeah, huh. but that's just a hypothesis because that just fulfills George Carlin's theory. Yeah. But here, tell well, me more. Cause I bet you've been studying. Washing into the ocean. The thing is that. There's something like somewhere around 40 to 100 million tons of plastic in the ocean. And there's three times more in the rivers. Oh, no. So even as we, like, clean up the ocean, uh, there's more plastic in the rivers. And I think that's what's happening with these trash lanterns. I think that as we take plastic out of the oceans, that they're starving. Oh, and so no. I think they're starting to come up the rivers. We saw one in our backyard. Oh. Uh, it, it came up the creek in so our we backyard. Have, wow. They're, was, they're coming inland. Was, uh, in the pond. And uh, I have, I, I got video footage of it. Whoa. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I wish we were a show that had pictures, but we're not. So that's not going to be something we can show. Um, <laughs> sounds super fascinating. I have a question for you, Bob. Yeah. Do you think do you think trash lanterns poop microplastic, or did I just digest it to a non-plastic state? Because there's so many tiny microplastics in like everything now. Maybe that's like the poop of um, trash lanterns. You know what? That's a valid line of research. And if I could find some trash lantern scat, I'd be able to. Uh, to examine it and find out because this plastic's going missing 8 million tons a year is just vanishing it's quite possible that they are somehow able to transform it well if they're eating it they got it it's like they're not like they're getting giant and becoming humongous to the point that we see them so they must be pooping a certain amount of mass so um and there's definitely a problem with too much tiny itty bitty 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 tiny tiny pieces of plastic in all the food and the water that's uh, a big uh, issue that could be a trash lantern focused thing that we should like consider. I think so. 
So one of the things we're going to do to bring the, the awareness of all this to people is I've partnered with the North Coast Environmental Center up there in Arcata. And the goal is to try to draw out some of these trash lanterns. Uh, and I think what we're going to try to do is attract them to the Arcata Plaza on Memorial Day weekend. Oh, you're using the magic of the kinetic race as to like generate the energy to like yes. bring to lure. Honestly, I think it's going to work because one of the, the concerns our teams had over recent years with the kinetic race is the amount of plastic in the race. And like, for instance, in it's like profound. oh, in 2019, right. we, we decided to make our bribery eggs because we just wanted to do less plastic. So we gave people pickled eggs for bribes, and that was amazing. And then the last race, we gave them prunes because they could eat those, and it was awesome. Yeah. So that's kind of a theme that we're working with in general in our team is, like, what can we do to make every little bit of bribery either so special that you somehow keep it or... Um, well, usually we keep all the bribes, but and like, like, you know, you keep it and it doesn't end up collecting dust as much or so special that you can't wait to eat it. Exactly. I've been on the main street in Ferndale and I've seen the, the plastic bribes in the gutters and it's like, you guys, this is going to go in the ocean. Um, and now I yeah. think the trash lanterns are probably looking at these bribes and going, Oh, this is a source of plastic for us. We're going to go find this stuff. Oh, yeah. They're so like, Nommers. Nommers. Looks delicious. So, yeah. yeah. I think we need to starve the, the, them out. And so that probably starts with reusable containers. Well, reusable uh, metal containers. Why Why yes. not? We can't use glass containers? Uh, I'm not a big fan of glass because when it... When it falls down, it breaks. It's true, but it melts, and you can put it back together again. And it's it's a form of earthenware, and earthenware does not leach into its environment. That's true. So I'm 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 pro glass, but um, I'm a socks. So I can't really actually uh, get cut by glass, so I'm biased. But I think that we got to start them out. And it, I, I about the recycling thing. Did you know that the entire recycling thing? is a way so that um, businesses that make excessive packaging don't have to be held accountable for making it. And they they just tell everyone, oh, oh, you got a garbage problem? That's because you're all a bunch of litter bugs. Oh, you got like too much too much um, garbage? It's because you're not recycling. And there's actually not an incentivized market for recycling. The single-use plastic trash bag thing oh, yeah? is an absolute waste of effort because it's such a small portion of the plastic. It's like 0.1 or 0.05% of the plastic is the single-use trash bags. Like, oh. Why are you regulating that when there's so many other streams of plastics that are going into the landfills or into the ocean? We're so easily diverted from the real problems. I'm trying to find Artemis because he, he's got some ideas about this stuff. Yeah, I think he snuck away um, while we were talking. Well, while you're looking for him, I want to talk about uh, the uh, cleanups that the NEC is sponsoring oh. in the next couple months. Oh, right. Yeah, I'll, good idea. I'll go try to see if I can drag him in. Artemis! Okay. So the NEC, the North Coast Environmental Center, in April and May, have several events designed to reduce the flow of plastic into the oceans. 
April 30th at 4.30 at their office in Arcata on I Street, 415 I Street, is a uh, trash cleanup event. And then they're also doing one at Halverson Park, which is where the kinetic racers go into the water uh, and cross through the bay. The Halverson Park cleanup is May 21st from 2 to 4 p.m. All this information is available on the NEC website, which is uh, yournec.org. And then once you pick up and find this lovely trash, uh, you're also invited to come to the craft nights at the NEC. There's one on April 25th and then another one on May 23rd, just before the race. And Team Pineapple is going to be carrying the art that gets made at the NEC on the vehicle in the race. So your work could be seen by 10,000 people. Uh, if that's interesting to you, be sure you check in in the uh, North Coast Environmental Center at yournec.org and uh, sign up for one of the uh, one of the trash cleanups. Wow. Help prevent plastic from getting into the hands of the trash landscapes. That's amazing, Bob. You see, your sculpture is kind of like a moving gallery that makes a statement about how we have to steal food from trash lanterns. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Genius. I love it. Okay, I got Artemis here. And- okay, fine, fine. So I have a theory about a way so that we can have more more reusable containers is that we should all agree on on the lid sizes. And if most bottles had the same type of lid, we could just, all the lids and all the bottles would match and we could reuse more bottles and more jars if everything's lids just had a certain commonality to them. That's so anti-marketing of you, Artemis, because the only way we can differentiate products is by every product is uniquely packaged. Well, maybe they can figure out their unique packaging and then figure out, pick one of six lid sizes. Uh, yeah, the Artemis, this is very, like, totalitarian of you. Why, why would you suggest this? No, I'm just thinking perhaps we could incentivize this. It's just, you know, you could pick any lid, but maybe... I don't know. I just want people to reuse I more containers. That, I think it sounds like you hate marketing companies. I, I just want containers to be reused more. I do too. I think going back, to, so the mason jars. You know those, how milk they bottles. Had, you know, four sizes or whatever of mason jars and all the lids were the same size. Milk bottles. People send their milk bottles back and they get used again. What if everything had a Coca-Cola bottles in Mexico? What if all of the containers, everyone treated them like they were special? Why must they just be treated like they are trash? It's a bad mentality. Did you know people didn't have this kind of trash in, in, in the days because they made everything and they used every part of the animal? Well, if you had trash, it truly was trash and it was something that just decayed near your house down the way. Hopefully it wasn't too smelly, but you could reuse so much. Then we get this consumerist world and suddenly, yes, it's fine. I'm anti-marketing. I'll just say it. Fine. Yes, it's not a good for us. I'm right there with you. I think marketing agencies need to be held accountable for the harm they're causing in the world. Every time they're like, oh, no, we, we need to reinvent it to make it more fashionable. They're just chasing after a bigger garbage pile. All of these clothes, we just need to put people wearing them. And so, I, I, never mind, I'll calm down. Bartleby, <laughs> can I go? Now, no, stay, stick around, stick around. We're going to wrap up the show now. Now is the wrap up? I think it kind of is. Bob! This is some yes. really important work you're doing. You're not just kinetic racing. You're like, you're fighting a, an entire battle against like the plastic that if we don't get a grip on this, 
The, the, it's the, the invisible hand. I am re- wielding a war against the invisible hand. Yes. Oh, man. The trash land teams will take... support that by going to our website and buying some of our merch. Oh, tell us about your website. Where is that, Bob? So it's trashlantis.com is the main website. And there's a button right at the top that says, click here for the fundraiser. Click here for the and fundraiser. Wow. So we can we can raise the funds. Yeah. You're like, oh. Raise the fundraiser. Some of the things that you can get are you could sign up to be an intern on Team Pineapple and join us for the race. I'll become part of the Unimind. You can buy a t-shirt. We have hats. You can buy uh, space in our newspaper and advertise uh, your your product or your uh, your message or your mission uh, so there's several interesting interesting uh, things to look at and consider uh, when you when you head over to uh, our fundraiser trashlantis.com if anyone wants to contribute to the battle against trashlantis because we do not want the world being taken over by the trashlantians uh, we can do is we can still fight the George Carlin prophecies or at least like try to steer them towards a, a symbiotic relationship with the trashlantians where they get less and less plastic until um until all of the lids are uniform sizes oh man at least enough lids uniform sizes that we can you know and make them out of things that we can remake stuff out of and if you're gonna make a a thing maybe you should be responsible for the entire destiny of that thing like uh, like an ink cartridge externalizing the costs is a huge problem and it's we need to not do that yeah that's fantastic well Thank you so much, Bob. I, I'm so glad you called because this was all so super duper important that everyone find out about what what cool work is happening. Not just to get, to get your sculpture across Humboldt County through sand, water, and road, but also to like along the way make the world a better place. Well, I'm super glad for this opportunity to talk to you and Artemis today. I really appreciate it. It does extend from beyond Humboldt into the entire world. No, seriously. It's like, this is a bigger than just kinetic sculptures, magic wardrobes, and pineapples. Yeah. This is some, this is magic that, that has to get a spell we have to cast to get everybody, um, having a little less plastic so that they go, oh, that's plastic in, um, their own bodies. It's not, a, not a fun thing. So, yeah, thanks again, Bob. Um, you guys are super... Thank um, you. You guys are a super-duper sweet and also digestive team as pineapples. So thank you. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I'm I'm Bartleby Nehi, and this here's my brother. I was just about to sneak away again. Well, don't worry. Everyone's about to sneak away again. So thank you so much for coming in. Uh, this is Metacosmos. Metacosmos is a production in association with Humble Hot Air. HumbleHotAir.org, where you can hear all sorts of cool stuff and music, like, just anytime. And also, our producer makes our other podcast, Kinetic Paranormal Society, and it's, like, awesome adventures. And you should totally go there and listen to it. And yes, I'm I'm going to admit, it's, it's, it's not as bad as I was telling everyone. It's not bad at all. Artemis, this is not what we agreed. Okay, fine. It's, it's good. It's good. Artemis, you're not sounding like you mean it. It's really good. And yeah, um, also be sure to listen to Isaac's awesome podcast, um, Son of L, Superman Son of L. It's the unauthorized biography of Clark Kent. And he tells this story and he's been telling it for almost two decades. And it's, it's like 
it's just like a story about like hope for humanity and it's told through like a really awesome story and you guys should listen to it oh and get yourself a deck of omen quest cards at omenquestcards.com so thanks for coming out um i'm barbie nehi thanks a lot everybody and bye-bye i i love you so so you're just not gonna let me sneak away um can you let go of my arm no no stay close stay stay close